On behalf of Weinberg Information Services, this is Bob Keebler, and we're here to talk about tax planning for real estate. So basically, a lot of things have changed in the real estate world under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. The biggest one, the biggest change is Section 199, Cap A. So at the last minute, the Senate was able to work in a provision that will give real estate owners a Section 199, Cap A deduction. So if you held a building and you meet all the criteria and you earned a million dollars of income, you would receive a $200,000 qualified business income deduction and you'd only pay tax on 800,000, making your effective marginal rate only 29.6%. Now the pass-through deduction, once your income, so you have a married couple, they're real estate entrepreneurs, once their income exceeds $315,000, they get into a series of limitations. And when they're in that series of limitations, and let's jump to where their income is over 415000 so the phase-in is described in the Senate reports, and I'll, I'll let you read that on your own. The phase-in is extremely complicated. It will be simplified over time once we have regulations. But once you're clearly over four fifteen you get into what are called the wage and the capital tests. So on the wage tests, those are equal to 50% of your W-2 wages. Real estate, hardly any real estate venture will get any traction with the wage test because that's not what, how real estate works. Real estate's clearly capital intensive. And on the other capital test, it's 25% of your W-2 wages plus 2.5% of unadjusted basis. Now let's focus in on unadjusted basis. You paid $10 million for a property, and you earned a million dollars with income, which would be an incredible cap rate, you would receive a $200,000 cap A deduction. We all realize that. However, we'd have to measure that against the $10 million you paid for the bricks and sticks times 2.5%. That would bring you to a $250,000 limitation. Because your $250,000 limitation is greater than your $200,000 200,000 QBI deduction, you would be able to take the entire deduction. Now remember, this deduction is unavailable to specified service businesses when you go over 415. Now we're not gonna focus too much on that today because we're talking about real estate. There is a pass-through deduction, and under this pass-through deduction, you do not have to worry about wage and capital testing if your income for a single person or a trust or an estate is below 157.5, for a married couple below 315. So this becomes very important, these threshold amounts, because if you're below the threshold amounts, no wage and capital testing. When you're in the real estate business, you're going, if you're looking at this, you're gonna say, is your income over 315? The answer is no, you just multiply your QBI by 20%. When you go over 315, between 315 and 415, you have a phase in, and over 415, you have to start doing your wage and capital testing. The deduction also cannot exceed the lesser of your combined QBI amount or 20% of your total taxable income times 20%. And you have, there's an adjustment for capital gains. 
So basically, we have to look at what are the definitions here. W-2 wages are equal to your wage expenses. That doesn't include any guaranteed payments or payments to independent contractors. Now, this independent contractor thing is interesting. Let's say you own um, a 5,000 unit complex. It's absolutely the biggest complex in Las Vegas. And you have independent contractors mowing the lawn, taking care of all the landscaping. You might have to say to the independent contractors, either come to work for me or I'm gonna hire people that will be on my payroll. And because those independent contractors will not help you with this two and a half percent and 50 or 25% wage and capital tests. But if they were on your payroll, they would. So those are things you have to evaluate. Uh, certainly this will probably hurt least, in, least employee situations. Um, sometimes, for example, businesses might hire a temporary person. Um, that may not, they might now, they would hire them through a temp agency. Um, and that would be like a leased employee. Well, people might not do that as much anymore once they understand how this works. Now, qualified property is tangible property that's being depreciated. It just does not include land. And then you get into a depreciation period. So to understand the depreciation period is once your depreciation is over, okay? So once your depreciation is over, then you no longer are able to, to use that property for the two and a half percent test. So you're no longer able to use that property for the two and a half percent test. We're going to, have to be very careful with that on a going forward basis. Unadjusted basis is equal to the basis immediately after the acquisition of the property, not adjusted for inflation. So it's equal to the basis immediately after, not adjusted for inflation. Very important that we understand those terms. Now, where this can hurt you is if you bought a building 25 years ago, you're still depreciating it, but you paid a million dollars for it and it's now worth four million. Your ROI is based on the four million. You're not gonna have enough under the wage and capital test to get this full deduction. Qualified property, basically the term qualified property. Now this is, qualified property is what we multiply by two and a half percent. Qualified property under the statute means with respect to any qualified trade or business for a taxable year, tangible property of a character subject to the allowance for depreciation under section 167, which is held by and available for use in the qualified trade or business at the close of the taxable year, which is used at any point during the taxable year for the production of qualified business income and the depreciable period has not ended before the close of the year. That's the definition of qualified property. What we remember, we always go back to what you paid for the property. Depreciable period, the term depreciable period means with respect to qualified property, the period beginning on the date the property was first placed in service by the taxpayer and ending the later of the date that is 10 years after such date or the last full day in the applicable recovery period that would apply to the property under section 168. So we do have to be careful with this depreciable, with this, with this definition of depreciable period, because that, that changes everything. So we do have to be extremely careful with that. Let's talk about the pass-through deduction itself. Now, vanishing basis. 
John owns two apartment buildings. The base of the building acquired 30 years ago cannot be considered for the 2.5% test. He's beyond the depreciable period. However, more recent capitalized improvements are going to be included, and appliances replaced within the last 10 years are also included. The base of the building acquired six years ago can be considered for the 2.5% test, and the basis of the land is not included. Now, the basis of all the appliances are included, and all the capitalized improvements are also included. When you have a partnership or an S-Corp, the partners must share their allocable share of wages and capital for all calculations. We're not sure what happens when you make a 754 election, although we believe the partner making that election should be able to use that to multiply by 2.5%. Now let's uh, transition a little bit away from Section 199. I want to talk about some other aspects that are going to impact real estate. Uh, one thing that's out there is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act does disallow interest expense in excess of 30% of a business's adjusted taxable income. This is tested on an entity-by-entity -entity basis, and it only applies where an affiliated group has more than $25 million of revenue. If you're below $25 million, you're exempt. So most of the real estate people you represent are going to be exempt from this, but those that are subject are really going to have to work through it. Um, any interest disallowed is carried forward indefinitely, so that, that is a big deal. Um, and once this starts happening, um, it's going to be hard to recover that. We've run some numbers for people. It is just really ugly when you're in this situation. So when you're looking at this business interest deduction, we get into a new term called adjusted taxable income, which is computed without regard to interest interest without regard to business interest or business interest income, NOL deductions without regard to the 179 cap A or 199 cap A deduction and after 2022 does not include depreciation, amortization, or depletion. So basically or before 2022, you, you can add you can adjust it for depreciation, amortization, or depletion. You get to add those back. So very simply, if your income this year was $100, but your depreciation was 25 for this test, you would have $125 of adjusted taxable income. However, um, if we jump further ahead in 2023, you would not be able to add back in that depreciation when you did this computation. So this is going to get uglier before it gets better. The business interest deduction, it does apply to partnerships and it applies to the partnership level. It also, but it, for an S corporation, it does apply at the S corp level. And for individuals, it generally applies if the taxpayer, as if the taxpayer was a corporation or partnership. Business interest deduction, Basically, um, a, realist, a real property trader business or a farming business can elect for the interest limitation not to apply. And when you, the election out is irrevocable, but the, what you have to give up, you're going to give up using your regular depreciation methods, and you have to go to a slightly longer depreciable period called ADS. 
the alternative depreciation system. We are not sure whether ADS property is eligible for bonus depreciation. That, that's the catch, okay? And the IRS is gonna to have to clarify that. Undoubtedly, that will also be litigated. Let's look at an example. John and Mary own a number of nursing homes. All the facilities are owned by a corporation started by Mary's great-grandfather. Average gross receipts are about $30 million and the adjusted taxable income is $5 million. This is an enormous business, uh, the business has enormous capital requirements and pays over $2 million of interest. The legislation limits the deductible amount to a million and a half dollars, which is 30% of the $5 million. And in 2022, remember, adjusted taxable income will increase substantially as depreciation will be considered, and therefore the amount deductible the amount of deductible interest will decrease substantially. So this is under 163J7 of the code. So basically what's gonna happen is if this year you had five million of income, your limitation would be a million and a half dollars. But in 2022, when you, can, when you have to subtract out all your depreciation expense, the deduction's going to become smaller and the deduction is going to become smaller at that point in time. Now, also in the real estate world, we can talk about bonus depreciation. And the bonus depreciation means if you buy something, you can write it off right away within certain limits. And bonus depreciation has now been expanded to include used property, formerly only allowed new property. And basically right now from, from 9-27-2017 through the end of 2022, 100% deduction. And after that, we're going into an 80% deduction for 2023, 60% for 2024, and 40% for 2025. The 179 um, cost recovery, basically, you can use 179 for commercial real estate, not for residential. And it used to be that you could only do up to 500,000 a property was the old rule. Now this, um, now this begins to become phased out if you're over 2 million of property in service during the year. And the expensing limit um, used to be a million dollars and now it's phased out to two and a half million. So basically, under the law going forward, you start to lose the 179 deduction if you put more than two million of property in service. Um, but if you put exactly two million in service, or exactly a million in service, you could take up to a million dollar 179 deduction. Now the interesting thing about all this is, we do not know how 179 is gonna impact the ability to take the 199 cap A deduction. The other thing we have to look out for and in my classes, I've been showing present values on this. You, if you lose that 2.5% capital deduction or 2.5% threshold limitation analysis, that's going to hurt you for a long period of time. So right now, for any returns that I'm involved with, and we, we do not really prepare returns, but we consult with a lot of other CPA firms, and we prepare gift to state tax returns, and um, but not heavy real estate returns. Um, what's gonna happen is, we think people should extend those returns and wait 
because what I don't want to necessarily do is take 179 and lose my 2.5% deduction on a going forward basis. Cost recovery, uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act did expand the definition of qualified tangible personal property and qualified real property to include tangible personal property used predominantly to furnish lodging or in connection with furnishing lodging. Also, 179 can now be used for non-residential real property for roofs, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, fire protection and fire alarms, and security systems. Cost recovery, a real property trader business which elects out of the new limitation on the deduction for interest must use the alternative depreciation system. Um, which requires slightly longer depreciable periods. So you're going to have to work with a little bit longer uh, depreciable period. I'm not overly worried about that. Present value-wise, it doesn't change much. On the cost recovery side, uh, this consol consolidates qualified leasehold improvements, qualified restaurant, and qualified rental, a real retail improvement property, and generally the new term is qualified improvement property, 15-year cost recovery, or 20 years under ADS. Now, if this wasn't enough, Congress added a new loss limitation under 461I of the code, and, or L, excuse me, 461L, Excess business deductions are now disallowed. So business losses in excess of $500,000 become an NOL on a going forward basis. This applies at the partner level. So what happens is if you have an active trader business and you lose more than $500,000, the first $500,000 you can use to offset portfolio income. But after $500,000, that becomes suspended, if you will, and becomes an NOL. So that's so if somebody had real estate where they were losing money, they only the first 500,000 they could use to offset their portfolio type income. Like-kind exchanges were changed under this bill to where you can only do like-kind exchanges for real estate, not for personal property. Development incentives were also changed the old rehabilitation credit for buildings um, put in service before 1936 has now been eliminated, but the tax reform bill did retain the 20% credit for historical rehabs, but it now requires it to be claimed over five years instead of the year placed in service. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act also added something called an opportunity zone which allows a taxpayer to defer capital gains that are reinvested um, in what's called an opportunity zone, low in, basically a low-income census tract. Qualified property can include stock, a partnership interest, or business property in an opportunity zone. And the fascinating thing is if the opportunity zone investment is held for at least 10 years, the taxpayer can elect that basis of that property equals the fair market value at the time of sale. So you're not going to pay any income tax on that, which is extremely powerful. Well, we have certainly covered a lot of ground today. Hopefully I've given you a little bit of an overview on 
tax planning for real estate after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. On behalf of Lineberg Information Services, this has been Bob Keebler. Thank you for joining us today.